0: Always find what you love at Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from at the lowest price, it's easy to find your favorite Cabernet or a new single barrel bourbon to try with some help from one of our friendly guides. And with every bottle comes the confidence of knowing you just found something amazing. With the lowest prices over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. Spirits not sold in Virginia or North Carolina. Drink responsibly. B-21. Welcome to the Ed Milet Show. This podcast is for those who want to do more, see more, and be more. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I'm Ed Milet, and this guest today I chase down, just so you all know. And um, I happen to think he's one of the most talented and the funniest person in the world today. And I'm getting him in the midst of him kind of maxing out his career. His career is on fire right now. He just did Four Nights at Madison Square Garden. It was the largest grossing comedy show in comedy history. He's got uh, a a movie that just won the Best Picture Award as an Oscar. He's got a tour that's sold out all over the country. He's got a best-selling book. He's got a Netflix special that's blowing up right now. So he's doing pretty good right now. And if you don't recognize this face, you're going to know him going forward. You're going to be following all his stuff. So this is Sebastian Maniscalco, the hardest name I've ever had to intro. So thank you for being here, bro. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We got a lot to talk about today. Good.
1: The Chipotle a couple of weeks ago. Love Chipotle. They make a really nice burrito over there. It's so terrific that the, the employees can't stop eating it. The employees are never working. They're always in the dining room eating. Ever walk in there, you're like, where are the workers? The only guy behind there is the guy cutting chicken just looking at you. Right? He's not trained on burrito building. And I'm watching the people order. I mean, there's a sneeze glass there, right? But people always hook the arm over the glass. I'll have corn. I'll have more corn. Just say corn. It's not soundproof. It goes right over the glass. Get your claw out of the South, This is something that uh, I was looking forward to doing just because uh, you're, you seem like a very intense guy and a very positive guy, and uh, I like being around people like that.
0: Thank you, brother. And I know my audience is gonna be fascinated by you because your story is compelling. Like, there's this, the thing I love about what you do, first of all, in, in my mind, and I hope you don't take this as a, an offense either, I think you're the funniest person I've ever seen, but then having met you one-on-one, you're also a very serious guy. So there's this kind of duality of your personality. But from a comedy perspective, you guys, it's almost a little Seinfeldish because you do observational humor, but there's like a, I don't know, there's like a Chris Farley, John Ritter, Ralph Furley, like, physical comedy thing you do too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, Well, thank you, by the way. My comedy is is a lot influenced by Three's Company and John Ritter. Really? Uh, One of my favorite actors, uh, comedically to watch. I used to watch Three's Company like it was game tape. Really? <laughs> just the way John Ritter would just kind of pop up with the yeah. facial expressions. There's an episode where he was getting on a hammock and he was trying to hit, uh, sit in the hammock and he would flip over. And just kind of those sudden um, physical movements I found extremely funny. Mm-hmm. And kind of incorporated into my act just because it's fun to do, number one. Yeah. And number number two, the audience seems to be engaged in it in a way where I'm not only telling the joke, I'm kind of acting it out. So I found over the course of time, and it wasn't like this in the beginning. I wasn't doing, like, really big movements on stage. Right. It was kind of toned down, and uh, now it's, you know, I don't want to be like a like a clown up there, but right. every once in a while I, I'll go into
0: a very exaggerated were you Were you always like this? Like, in your family? Because your comedy is based sort of in your family. A lot of it is observational stuff from your family. And... So your dad, I think it's an interesting background, correct me if I'm wrong, your dad, Salvo, he was a hairdresser, right? Just worked his ass off. Rose is your mom. Yes. And what did she do? Something in teaching. Secretary. Secretary of 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 the the school. elementary school. So in your house, were you like a little comedian, or is that not like how it was growing up?
1: In the house, yes, at the dinner table was kind of my time to shine. I would... Uh, explain stories. Uh, what happened at school and uh, what happened in the neighborhood. And my family was very tight in that sense, where we really kind of treasured the the family experience over dinner. Being Italian, dinner is kind of yeah. what brought out uh, the the conversation. And uh, but like you know, I'm not a I'm not a class clown type of guy. I'm not going to sit here and like we're going to have like uh, you know you said oh I was the funniest guy in the planet. You're not yeah. probably going to see that yeah. sitting here. It's not like I'm going to make people laugh all the time. I'm I'm actually... You, know, you you kind of hit it head on, I'm a very serious type of guy. Mm. When I'm around people I don't know, I kind of get like a little, like uh, not, not nervous, but like, oh, can I really be myself? Can mm. I really show who I am? Mm. I'm, I'm, I gotta like size up the situation in order for me to really start being comfortable. You think that's why you're
0: funny? Like you just notice things other people don't notice because you're always sizing things up, like your observation, the observation part of you is more heightened than a normal person maybe? Yeah, I'm
1: very, very observational and very, very keen on what people are doing or what kind of annoys me. Um, there's a disease, not a disease. I think it's called misophonia where, uh, let's say I'm on an airplane and somebody's eating a bag of chips. I will hone in on that. <laughs> person eating the bag. And I don't hear anything else. Plane could be on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd be yeah. li- uh, honing in on a guy eating Fritos. So, yeah, I'm very, um, very sensitive to things around me. So you didn't it easy? Yeah, I, I in the beginning, I was really annoyed. When I first moved out here in 1998, everything bothered me. I'd walk around very angry, very, like... Um, you know, look at this, what's this guy doing? What's this person doing? Mm-hmm. And I would try and convey that on stage, but it came off as being just bitching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as you kind of uh, do comedy over time, you start to really see. Oh, okay, let's let's say these same jokes, but let's. It's like a wink and a nod to the audience, yeah. like. I know this is ridiculous. Uh, what I'm saying, and uh, it's it's said more in a friendlier manner than more in a, an angry. I, when I was when I first started, I didn't smile. I didn't do nothing. I used to come out there. Go, I go, I'm pissed off, <laughs> and people are like, Man, is this guy a comedian? or... Is- <laughs> Really? It's just a therapy. Yes. <laughs> so, uh,
0: yeah, over time, it's 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 developed into what it is now. So, were you, because a lot of it, I think, you have tons of funny stuff, but one of the funniest things, I think, is when you talk about your dad, just to me, and having now seen your dad, I kind of get it, because I've watched some stuff with the two of you together, but did you, were you observing dad thinking, or did you think all dads were like your dad? Because you grew up in a suburb of Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like... Almost to me, it seemed like an old world family in like the new world, almost. Is that reasonable to say? I make it
1: sound older than it is. Okay. A lot of that's exaggerated. Okay. Uh, I do a joke about my father uh, murdering raccoons with antifreeze and baloney. That's yeah. actually not him, it's an, another, it's a friend of mine's dad. But I put that situation on my father, and it kind of goes with the narrative of old school immigrant upbringing. He was raised on a farm, and this seems to fit this piece of the puzzle, so I'm gonna put, that's what I do. I I, I take a lot of people, and I put other stories on those people. It's just like writing a movie. You got a character, and there's a personality of the character. What kind of fits that character and it could okay. come from a lot of different things it could have come from something that happens here where you know something that you might do yeah. I, I might give
0: a trait to a friend of mine who's in my act so your grandmother wasn't cranking out lasagnas in the basement
1: uh, she was <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, was, that, <laughs> that was, one's <laughs> was, true that one's
1: true that <laughs> was true uh, I mean I'm not saying it happens a lot yeah. but uh, you know the truth is always funny really I don't write I don't yeah. sit at, in my house and go okay what's funny it's more like I went to a toddler group with my wife and my child, and now I'm interacting with parents. Hmm. It's a it's a new thing that is in my life. I don't. I'm not really a social guy. Yep. Uh, and what comes out of those for me is tends tends to be funny and good fodder for stand up comedy because it's almost like a fish out of water. Yeah. I'm yeah. constantly that guy on the perimeter. I was never popular in high school. Hmm. I was never a jock. I was never in the music club. Smart guy. I was always. I played soccer and soccer was considered kind of outside the. Uh,
0: Realm of... Uh, Real sports yeah. at that <laughs> time. <Yep. laughs> right. <It was> basketball <laughs> and football. <as> right. <laughs> like, <"Hey." laughs>
1: and uh, yeah, and, and, and it's, it, it's, it's kind of been my career path as well. Yeah. Never in the popular group in Hollywood. Never in uh, like a uh, one to watch or a new face. It's just been all
0: sh- stand-up comedy on the road. Yeah. Doing what I love to do. I think sometimes successful people want to say something to you, brother. I just I interviewed Sean White yesterday. And uh, obviously, probably the most successful Olympic uh, winter athlete ever. And I think really successful people, A, don't give themselves credit for the things they're great at. And B, maybe they just do a lot of things really well unconsciously. Like, I know it's not by mistake that you're, I mean, just everybody, I mean, this guy's income's exploded in the last few years. If you, um, one of the top paid, top ten paid comedians in the world right now, you sell out Madison Square Garden four nights in a row and if you wanted to go back you could do it four more nights in a row that doesn't happen by sitting in the hotel room in louisiana it happened because you went to louisiana yeah yeah. but like i want people to hear this part of your story because i'm struck by how when we've met and other people have told me that are mutual friends of ours that they thought you and i were similar in this sense that um we're sort of on but like privately we're really sort of serious reflective um don't need a lot of people around us, dudes. Right. And so one of the things that struck me about your story, and I want everybody to hear this part of it was not very far from here. You were a, a server mm-hmm. at the four seasons. Yeah, yeah. Right. For years. I mean, I just want you to picture this. Some of you, all of you list this, you're driving in your car, you're working out right now. And you're like, I'm not after my dream. I'm, I'm at this, this destination in between, but here's real hustle. Tell them this. You would literally on your break, go do a set somewhere. Did yeah. you tell
1: them about that? So, after <coughs> Four Seasons, I was the waiter in the Windows Lounge, and what I came out to L.A. to do was do stand-up comedy, and I told myself nothing is going to get in the way of doing that because mm. there was a comedian that I saw at the comedy store who I really loved, who has since passed away. His name's Freddie Soto, and he was up one night, and Mark Anthony, the uh, singer, had walked in, saw uh, Freddie Soto, and then said, hey, you want to open up for me on the road? Mm. So I saw that, and I go, man, if Freddie Soto was waiting tables somewhere... And he missed that opportunity, you know like th- that would have never happened, so i 'm like every night i 'm going to do stand up comedy and i 'm going to try and work it out in a way where it's not going to interfere with my my job or i'm going try to try to try to make it work and the only way I could make it work was to take my break that I got for a half an hour, and I would then get my you know I would call the comedy store and i'd say okay i 'm working." what's going on okay so and so is up it's got 10 minutes and then we got Eddie Griffin who popped in he's going to do in 30 minutes so i would kind of time it out wow. get in my car go over there do the stand up and then get back in the car and then Brother. and then and then hit the tables it's just it's just kind of all i it's nothing like I thought was, oh, this is something special. Yeah, it was just like, I got to do stand up comedy. That's it. That's it. I mm-hmm. got to make this work. Mm-hmm. This is my watch my section for a half hour. Mm-hmm. Told my boss I was really cool with my boss. He was really cool with me. I mean, this is something that the Four Seasons Hotel is not really accustomed to. Do. I mean, this is, yeah. we're not working at McDonald's. Right, exactly. We're working at a, <laughs> a place where you have to be at the table and see what's going on and refill the nut caddies and make yeah. sure they have a fresh napkin. So it's not something that. You know, Four Seasons is, is is known to doing, but I mean,
0: they it, accommodated it, you. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, for real, like, I mean, you because just so you know, that's not normal, right? Not like, normal. like it's not normal, and I mean, you're part of it's not normal. Like, y- your obsessions become your possessions, right? Like, you are obsessed. I'm gonna do stand up comedy. I'm gonna do it. You eventually possess this career you were obsessed with having, right?
1: You have to understand something about the way I grew up. I grew up in a house that was food everywhere. Every two feet, you just bumped in.
0: I had
1: a grandmother who lived in the basement just cranking out lasagna. It's like a lasagna factory. In the basement, food just kept coming up the stairs for no reason. There was meat hanging from the ceiling. It was a sauce room with a bunch of dates on masking tape.
0: But I'm curious, was there ever a night you went and did a set, didn't go real well, and you're driving back to go back to be the server on your break, and you're like, you know what, forget it. Like, I just, uh, this ain't happening. Did you have nights like that, or did Uh, you, never? No,
1: it was, that set sucked. I can't wait till tomorrow to... Mm. It's almost like the 24 hours after the set is the worst because you're just chomping at the bit to redeem yourself Mm. the next night Mm. so i never said "Ah, this is not for me i knew this is it was comedy or bust for me when i came out here it was no like five year plan if i'm not doing this after five years Mm. i'm going home and i'm working at motorola there was none of that it was it was i'm doing comedy (laughs) and that's it and it it wasn't because of the money it wasn't because of fame It, it had nothing to do with that i love doing comedy I, i've always loved getting in front of people uh strangers and making them laugh mm-hmm. and it's the best feeling in the world and wherever that was going to take me uh fine but it was never about anything else other than the sheer passion i
0: love that so i mean, i love that point everybody that's listening to this too because it's like he found something he loves like i'm just it's, there's no deadline on it i love when people sort of they put a deadline on their dream or something, you know, like if it doesn't happen by January 13th, 2022, then it expires and I can never have it. That's like a ridiculous way to live your life, right? Yeah. Like if you really want something, you, you get it, you find it until you get it. At least in my opinion, you do. So I love that you made that point. When you wrote Stay Hungry, did that have anything to do with this? By the way, you guys should get this book and the tour is also called Stay, Stay Hungry yes, also, right? Yes. Why did you write that book? Because it's a bestseller. Why'd you write it? And does that have any relationship between all those years at the Four Seasons and staying hungry for your career?
1: It does, yes, and I never thought I would write a book. I always thought books were for like
0: ex-presidents and people you know, who had something extraordinary happen to them. You come across like this, I'm this very serious guy, kind of like everybody else, but not everybody, I just think this is a funny story and I want you to tell it if you don't mind, because I laughed so hard when I heard it, but I think it goes to prove that you're not exactly like everybody else at normal. Can you tell them how you did the air freshener in your car? Please no. tell me that that's true. Yeah, tell me that's one of that's, the true. That's true. I just want them to hear this so they know you are a little bit off. I'm also. off. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I never said I was normal. By <laughs> <laughs> Although this, I feel like, is something that people
0: should do. Yeah, they should.
1: So uh-huh. I didn't like the I didn't like the air fresheners that you would go and get at the gas station. The vanilla, the apple, <laughs> the pine. I like cologne. So mm-hmm. what I did was I took a bottle of my favorite cologne and I cracked it in a bowl. And I took like a little dish rag, thin, mm-hmm. and I cut it into like little squares and I rolled up the squares and I banded the the, the rolls up and I let them marinate overnight in the cologne. Now, in the morning, I would put in the vents, the little rags, right? This is when I was like 15, 16 years old. <laughs> uh, Yeah, she's 16 when I was driving, so uh, I would go pick up a girl on a date and then just casually put on the air conditioning and she'd be like, man, the car smells like you, and I go, I know, it's beautiful, isn't it? So I would kind of match the uh, cologne scent of the car to what I was wearing that particular evening. Now, is that abnormal? Probably, but I'm sure after telling that story, <laughs> you guys are going to go do it,
0: right? I mean, what's amazing to me is you're in your mid 40s and you just preceded that story by saying you think more people should do it. <laughs> this, My little technique. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful, man. That's so awesome. So I'm curious. Oh, gosh. There's like a million of those, but I had to at least have one. I live in fear that, like, what's happening for me could go away. Oh, yeah. So you've had this stuff happen, right? So take us in the mindset of someone who's in the midst of, I don't want to call it your prime, but it kind of is, right? Like, you've hit this stride now, which we'll talk about in a minute, in multiple areas, from the book, from the tour, acting, you know, a lot of different areas, in your family life. What are you thinking right now? Are you thinking, like... I Could lose this. I got to what, When's, When's
1: this going to end? When am I going to go and look at the, the ticket counts? And they're not what they were the last time I was there. Mm. So that is what's driving me mm. to succeed. It's not, again, I, I don't think in the positive realm like, oh man, I sold four Madison Square Garden shows. The next time I'm going to sell eight. Yeah. Uh, my goal is to, uh, to just. Yeah, it's more fear-based than than, than mm-hmm. positive-based, I, mm-hmm. I, I guess. I, I don't want to let these people down. Mm. They pay good money. Mm. They don't want to see the same jokes yeah. uh, This the, the coming to a show that they saw 12 or 16 months prior. Yeah. So it's that challenge of keeping it on a level. That's what the staying hungry means, kind of like never resting on your success, mm-hmm. always kind of wanting more. And that is a big fear. It's just like you can't you can't i believe you can't you're hot yep and then you cool off yeah so my thing is when is the cooling off going to happen <laughs> right, and not right. that i want it to yeah right but i'm aware yep. I, I have enough awareness that we have a a spike in our career and then there's always kind of like a drop off yeah do i want to drop off no but it's hard to plan too it's just like I don't have a job where the salary's guaranteed. Yep. So if I want to buy a house, what what could I buy? Can I can I buy a house that, um, if I sustain this type of lifestyle? I mean like, yeah, you, no. nothing, right, is, right. nothing is right. really, I'm not bitching about finances, don't get me wrong, yeah. but it's just, it's hard to kind of gauge your future based on a, a career that, you could pit her out at any moment. Time for me to check in, right? Now, the check-in process at the airport, they don't wanna look at you, head down, right? No smile, nothing. I feel like I'm working, right? I feel like I work at United, hi, how you doing, (laughs) right? The only time they get happy is when the bag goes over the weight allowance. They love telling you, you're gonna owe extra on this bag. And you know it's heavy. When you're packing it at home, you tell your wife, we're never gonna make it with the, it's okay, I'll So heavy, right? You put it up there and you know it's heavy, so you kind of try and release it. You do that like kind of soft release, like that's gonna take, take weight off the bag. And her mood changes, she's like, I'm sorry, your bag is two pounds over. You're gonna have to take two pounds out of your bag. Now, like an idiot, I gotta open up my bag in front of 187 people. I don't know what two pounds is. I'm taking out a boot, a sock, toothpaste. Is this two pounds? Does anybody know what two pounds is? They're gonna charge me an extra $8,000. You think the boot's are half a pound? I go, like, where do you want me to put this? She's like, put that in your carry-on. I said, it's still going on the plane. What does it matter if it's on top or underneath? The guy behind me is 500 pounds. That doesn't matter?
0: 50 successful people in their prime. That maybe 10% answer that, honestly. Because I know what it's like when things are going well. And there is this party that's like, when's this going to end? What am I going to do? What would it be like if it did slow down? So would it be like that? Yeah, uh, not so much anymore. But I, yeah, I think I'm still after. I think part of my inspiration now is I have this audio I did called Blissful Dissatisfaction. And what it means is, not to go too deep on it, but I had this formula forever, like, I better not enjoy this, because if I enjoy this, I'm going to lose my hunger. So I literally linked in my head, don't enjoy it, just keep grinding, because of this enjoyment, you'll lose all this drive. And that's what most athletes, most successful people do. That's sort of their mindset. It's almost like a superstition. Right, because for so long you didn't enjoy it and you finally got something. I finally figured out after a while that there's a difference between happiness and satisfaction. You could actually be blissful and happy and still dissatisfied. In fact, there's a correlation between the two. The more your brain gets this little dopamine hit, like, that was cool, I love this, I'm enjoying my success, the more you actually want to go take the steps to do it again. And so it's like biting into a great steak. You break that first bite, it's like, ah. Oh. Doesn't make you not want another bite. There's no connection between the two. Mm -hmm. So for me, the formula now is more like, how can I be blissfully dissatisfied, happily dissatisfied? But I still operate out of fear. There's two motivators, right? Gain pleasure, avoid pain. Avoid pain has been like my mechanism forever I think it was Michael Jordan's, it was Tiger, but I do watch a guy like Tiger Woods. I don't know if you watch any golf, but like he kind of enjoys the game now for the first time. Whereas yeah. before he was laser vision, tunnel focused all the time. So I work on that with the different people that I work with. So that's my, mine is both. I'm still super afraid it's gonna go away. And I think your identity starts to get tied up in it too a little bit. Yeah, so, it does. Um, so what do you do? do are you enjoying this?
1: Uh, I could be enjoying it more. Um, mm-hmm. You were really speaking to actually how I'm feeling. A lot of people, even on my team, whether it be my manager, mm-hmm. or yeah, you know, I think other people, like my family's more excited when I tell them about something that happened to me than I'm actually excited for about myself. Just for that reason, it's like, man, I, I don't want to get too happy here because <laughs> is, uh, this might not, you know, I might not, I might get relaxed. I don't know. Like yes. happiness to me would be like being relaxed and content. Yep. If I'm never like satisfied, then I feel like I'm always going to
0: strive to hit the the next goal. The thing is though, what happens is, now we're doing therapy together here. The thing happens is you do hit the next goal and then you don't enjoy that one. And then you do hit the next goal and you don't enjoy that one. Yeah. And then so what was the point of hitting those goals if you never enjoy any of them, right? And so there's this part especially with you having a young family. There's gotta be this time where, I also think you want your kids to see dad loving and enjoying his life, too. You know what I'm saying? Like- well, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, di- I didn't
1: <clears throat> get the call and go, you sold out four Madison Square <laughs> right. Grounds." I like, oh, what? <laughs>
0: I gotta get happy about that. Like, <laughs> I hear bad. you. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's just—it's you know—I'm not like you know—I'm yeah. not like yeah, yeah. Not that guy. Yeah. I might like internalize the happiness. I might not show it as much as somebody else might show it. Mm-hmm. And people think, oh, what's wrong with him? Is this guy's not mm-hmm. like I'm happy about the, all his success? I'm—I'm I'm happy, but it's more m-
0: managed happiness than yeah, you know, walking around with a huge smile on my face. Yeah, you. um You've gotten such success acting now. Like, and it's interesting because you don't, I haven't seen you do a lot of comedic acting, right? Like, it's usually Kevin Hart's funny on stage and then he does funny roles, right? And so, I mean, you guys just understand this. You're in the green book, the one, the best picture, yeah, right? So, so but I wanna just kinda of go through your acting a little bit with you here for a minute. Do you have training in acting?
1: so i didn't go to a formal acting school Mm -hmm. i i take uh acting classes here in town with a a teacher who has been with me for 20 years Mm -hmm. and every time that i have an audition or if i book a part i work with her her name is leslie Kahn. she's really really good Mm -hmm. and uh, she's kind of been my 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 teacher And for me, the acting has been something that I've always wanted to get into, Mm -hmm. but I never really had time just because, like you said, I I picked one thing, stand-up comedy. I didn't pick 17 different things to get into. Mm -hmm. The book came out of the success for Mm stand-up, and and the the acting came out of stand-up. I mean, I was going on auditions 15 years ago, and, you know... No one knew who I was. I would go to a casting call. Mm. I would always sit in the casting call, and the guy before me would go in, and the door would open. They'd be like, John, I need to come <laughs> on in. I go, what the? I don't got a chance. <laughs> this guy went right. for coffee with the <laughs> casting director. <laughs> but now when I go in, they're like, oh, hey, you know, it yeah. gives you a sense of confidence. It's all about confidence. Mm. I didn't have the confidence 15 years ago when I was going into those uh, casting rooms just because mm. I was nervous. Am I doing this right? This is something that I don't do uh, day in and day out. Mm. But now I feel like the confidence is half of the Half of the battle. I yes. go in there and they're like, man, we're a huge fan of your stand up comedy. Yeah. And right away, I'm like, yes. I'm puffing my chest out. I'm like, yep. okay, it's, this is mine to lose. They yep. like me already.
0: Yes. So uh, I believe that too. I think success is 80% psychology, 20% mechanics. And that psychology is all that confidence yeah. that you start to stack up. The other thing you have that I want to point out to everybody, first, the huge lesson you just said I just want everyone to hear backwards, especially you entrepreneurs. You see guys like Cuban or myself, and I'm not equating myself with Mark Cuban, but the, the kind of the vogue thing now is like people have 10 different businesses they're in, right? What you have to understand is someone like myself or someone more successfully like Mark Cuban, we wanted one business first. Then once we got wealthy, we we're able to dabble into all these other businesses. You got to pick one thing and dominate at it. That's... That's a huge thing, I think, for everybody to point out. Well, let me let me piggyback yeah. on that.
1: Yeah. Uh, n- now that you had the one thing, or if people are out there have mm. one thing, maybe other things are presented to you. You got it. You don't always have to do that. Like mm. people go, "What are you going to get a TV show?" Mm. I mean, maybe. Mm. I wouldn't be able to put the passion needed into a TV show mm. that it would need to success mm. to be a success just because I'm in this position to get some of these things. A lot of things I turn down just because I don't I don't have the huh. I don't I don't want to do that. Mm. I it, it's easy to say yes to things wow. you should be doing because maybe you're successful. But I I am like I, I, I don't I don't want to give a, I don't want to give my energy to that because I'm not going to be able to give 110%. If I do a movie, I'm, I want to be there, I want to be present, and I want to give it my all. I, I just don't want to take things just to take it.
0: That was your gift to me today because I've been struggling with that. More opportunities, obviously, have been coming my way, and I've had a really difficult time saying no to any of them because I should do them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's really good you just said that because actually driving out here, something came my way, and I don't want to do it, but I should, and I agreed to do it. And that's a mistake. I'm spreading myself so freaking thin that I'm not really being great at anything right now because my energy is depleted in all these different places. You're supposed to say that for me, <laughs> for real. No, I'm serious. That was really, really good, man. I'm good the man. other thing you have going, I want to point out to everybody that is it's such a factor and you're appreciating it right now, you have momentum and life moment. You can get momentum in everything. Like in sports, I say all the time, it's not always the best team that actually wins a World Series every year it's the pitching staff with momentum or the hot bats, right? In the NFL, it's not always the best team, but a team like the Patriots sort of find a way to play best at the end of the year. Your life can get momentum and so can your career. And that momentum can actually help you be better almost than you really are. And I think you you're not doing better than you really are, but you've got you can you got this kind of momentum going. Don't you feel like you have that in your career right now? And hard work you got to fuel that fire. Don't you feel like that right now?
1: Well, yeah, it's like he, I was even talking to my management about, hey, maybe we take some time off uh, not touring. Mm -hmm. Because here's the the thing, it's like if the audience knows they could always have you, then what's like Mm -hmm. the bill, like if you're always having steak every night or filet every night, like what's to look forward to? Mm -hmm. So if you keep saturating the market Mm -hmm. and keep going back and back and back, Aren't you like, yeah, if I don't see him this time he'll be back, you know? So Mm. but then if you do take time off, Mm. you're losing the momentum. Yeah. So it's trying to find that like happy medium where you kinda capitalize on the momentum but you don't oversaturate your oversaturate yourself in in the market. Yeah, you
0: don't want to lose your momentum, you don't want to lose your relevance. It's more of an art than a science. Like, I watched that with someone like Beyonce or J-Lo. You know, like, Beyonce's done it differently. Beyonce sort of takes these large windows off, whereas Jen is just always grinding. She's always relevant. She's doing a show. She's doing. She was doing American Idol. Now she's a judge on a dance show. Then she's got a tour. Then she's got a movie. Like, she's just in the consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I look at Jen, and I think, <clears throat> here she is, almost 50 years old. She's been relevant, famous, and had momentum now for since the Fly Girls, mm-hmm. you know, for flipping 25 or 28 years. So there is different art forms of doing it.
1: We never went to the grocery store. We grew it. Right in the backyard, beautiful tomato,
0: string bean.
1: All right, little zucchini, you want some fruit? You picked it off the tree. But at night we found out something was going on in our garden. There was a little raccoon, something. Something was nibbling on my father's tomatoes, okay? It's a big deal. We had a family meeting about it. Most American families, they'll call up Orkin. We'll just call Orkin. They'll come set up some traps. Then they'll release the animal back into the wild so it could reunite with its family. My father's like, listen, we're going to murder this motherfucker. <laughs> we're going to put antifreeze on baloney. <laughs> why? Why, Papa? Why? Because it eats the intestines. That's why. Now go get the antifreeze. In the garage, we're going to make a sandwich for our friends tonight.
0: But I want to talk about acting just real quick, because this is just the coolest thing in the world to me. Here's this guy, four-season server, grinding, 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 starts to hit it in comedy, starts to really hit it in comedy, starts to act, gets in the best damn motion picture of the year, wins the Academy Award, and the movie that he's in wins the Academy Award. Now you're in The Irishman, which is coming out, right? I want everybody to go see this movie when you're out. But dude, you're acting with freaking De Niro and pacino and pesci what the i don't know man it's, it's, you couldn't even write this kind of script
1: of how this happened to me in the film world i mean there's actors out there have been doing acting for 20 25 years and they'll get the opportunity to work with the people that i've worked with in the last 12 to 18 months mm-hmm. so uh again here, here's here's a story about getting the role uh they asked me do you want to send it a tape to new york or do you want to go to new york and audition in the room i chose to go to new york to audition in the room uh because i feel like if you're in a room Mm -hmm. who knows what's going to happen you have a personal connection i'm here you're here there could you know Mm -hmm. a a relationship could develop who knows so i go and i walk in the casting director tells me looking really good for this um martin saw your i did a small film called cruise okay so you're looking really good so that's all you have to tell me Mm -hmm. is i'm looking good and i go the opposite i sabotage myself if you told me she man you gotta work for this it's you and another guy then i get like oh i gotta do you tell me i got it in the bag i I unravel wow so right from the get-go i felt Unsure of myself, Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was putting my best foot forward. Mm -hmm. She kept working with me to kind of get it. You know, she was trying to get it out of me, couldn't get it out of me. Mm -hmm. And then I walked out of there, and I I didn't feel good. I called my agent, I go, you're not going to get a good call on this. I don't Mm -hmm. think I got it. So I went back. Sure enough, they liked you, but not consistent. They're kind of nervous, you know, just based on your performance in the room, if you're going to be able to kind of hold it with Robert De Niro and da, 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 da. If you wanna take the notes that we've given you and work on it and send a tape, happy to see that, which thank God for the the, the casting director that she gave me a second shot. Mm. Now, I went to my acting coach, we put it on tape, sent it in, she's like, this is what I'm talking about. She sent it to Mr. Sorsese, he looked at it, loved it, but didn't end up giving me that role, gave me another role in the movie. Uh, So it was, for me, I got shot down. Mm -hmm. I screwed up, I didn't do well. A lot of of times Mm -hmm. in life you don't get that second chance, but Mm -hmm. this one, they gave me it and I took advantage of it, and uh, the first day I'm on set with uh, De Niro and Pesci doing a scene, the first scene
0: of of my filming day was with those two guys. The first freaking scenes with De Niro and Pesci.
1: Yeah. So again, nervous, anxiety ridden. I've never done anything quite to this level. I mean, Mr. Martin Scorsese's directing. I mean, it's it's a whole deal. And I'm working with guys that I grew up watching and thoroughly enjoying their work. And uh, in life, sometimes you question, should I be here? Am I good enough? Mm-hmm. What am I, you know, I'm, I'm working with these two guys. I'm a comedian. I'm not a seasoned actor. What the hell am I doing here? Mm-hmm. But they were very gracious in, in the fact that they came and they made me feel at home. Mm-hmm. And once I did the first scene, mm-hmm. it was almost like, I do, I do belong here. This, this, is, this is where I should be. That's but awesome. there's a lot of doubt though, yeah. going into these things. Yeah. I, I build it up in my head. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be good enough? Da, da, da. But in doing so, I think it, it puts a lot of pressure on me to when it's time to perform to actually do well. Prepare. If yeah. I wasn't thinking, you know when I wasn't thinking that was, uh, and I told this, this story on Jimmy Fallon, and they played a clip. I want to go to the Jimmy Fallon show. Do you mind if I tell this story here?
0: I love it. this story, no, right. Yeah.
1: Um and I had a lot of people backstage. My mom, my my wife, my mother in law, agents, publicists. It's like a party back there. But I was only doing five minutes on Fallon. I figure I've done this five minutes, time in, time out. I'm hosting kind of like a party back there. I'm very hospitable. I like to, you need anything? Yeah. You know, some cheese or whatever. <laughs> so I go out and I start doing the act, and a minute in, I go completely blank. I, I forget my act. There's cue cards there. I can't even see them because, you know, my, I'm, I'm almost going blind. Just, uh, oh my gosh. I'm looking at the band. The band's like, bro, we don't know the act. So this lasted for about it felt like 15 minutes, but it was like 15 seconds, and then, boom, I snapped back into it. I got you. And I completed the the set. Now, I was worried that they were going to keep that in there. Yeah. But then when I talked to, to Fallon, he goes, nah, we cut that right out, and editing, no problem. So when I went back on Fallon, I said, you know, I would like for Jimmy to show oh, wow. the 15 minutes of complete dead silence that I screwed up, because... Wow. Then it wasn't that funny, but not looking back at it, for yeah. me to lose my spot, yeah. I thought it would be cool just to show the audience. That's, so we just, just show it like that, but this was, uh... This was bad. Oh. This, you... <laughs> Here, here's the, the clip. Here's Sebastian Maniscalco's stand-up
0: debut on our show four years ago. <laughs> this, is... this is my
1: father, right? Um... I, I, I've been working i've been uh, 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 <laughs> uh, nobody works like me.
0: What Good Not
1: bad. Nobody works like me. That's a great bit. Nobody works like me. <laughs> One of my best
0: Dude, jokes. <laughs> Super cool, man. Yeah, That's uh, a great freaking story.
1: Well, it, here, this is it. Everybody acts like everything's fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Look at me do this, look at me do that. I come from more of a, uh, in life, there are these setbacks, and, like, why not show the setbacks? Mm-hmm. Because you could also show, you know, my whole thing on Fallon was, a, hey, and he invited, he still invited me back, yeah. you know? So... Everything I do tends to, like, I went to the Oscars, and you would think, oh, going to the Oscars is some, like, really big thing. I ended up falling down um, uh, 19 stairs at the Oscars in a tuxedo and and uh, not going on stage to get the award because I was seated in mezzanine three, you know? Like, yeah. it's, it's not always what it seems to be, and I, like... Find the comedy and the fact yeah. that I'm not always in the mix. There yeah. was everybody on stage at the Oscars to pick up the award, but I couldn't get I couldn't get to the I couldn't so get funny. there. And my dad's at home going, "The whole audience is
0: on stage. Where are you?" So, oh my gosh.
1: But those moments for me, although they might be not. So fun in the moment yeah. when you reflect back.
0: Man, the comedy that comes out of that. Yeah. Also, brother, the hope it gives people. Like, it, my eyes are watering not from laughing. It makes me emotional. Think this moment's happened for you. You get on Fallon. You kind of poop to bed a little bit. You come back, you're on the show, and your career took off even further from there. Then you get in the best piece, <laughs> you fall down the stairs, and you're watching the whole cast on the stage. Yeah. Like the metaphor, even the visual of that, I think it gives people hope. Like, hey, man, not everything is perfect for these people, even that you see. Because right now, people look at you, they're like, wow, like beautiful wife, baby, another one on the way, Netflix, the book. The movies, De Niro, like, come on, man, like Madison Square Garden. So for then you to be vulnerable enough or willing enough to go, hey, man, just so you know, like, there's this, too. That's crazy. Did you really fall down? Yeah, I
1: fell down uh, about 18 steps in a tuxedo at the Oscar. Now, as I'm falling down... I'm like actually talking to myself, going, I can't believe, I'm at the, I'm, you know, like, and, and then I'm hearing, oh my God, you know, like <laughs> people going, you know, oh w- call God. an ambulance, you know, like,
0: the, it was violent, it was like a ski axe. You couldn't gather yourself, it was too much. No, yes. the,
1: the momentum, like, normally we walking downstairs, you catch yourself. You know, yes. Oh man, thank yeah. God. This one was, and I was up. And, and, and rolling, and I didn't have time to...
0: Did you get hurt? Uh, it just bruised, but you know, it your wasn't... E- bruised your ego. But I'm curious about the last thing about you, because this thing I've noticed about you, I'm like, this is why I really like this dude. And it's the overall approach to family that I want to finish with today. Um, one, I think the way that you talk about your mom and your dad honors them in a particular way, right? And I can just sense how close you are with your family. But then I've really started to watch, even I've seen this on your social media, it's like, this dude loves his wife. Because you know, when a guy starts to climb, you know, mm-hmm. right? The guy starts to have the stuff happen. I watch those guys because I coach those guys. And I know the road sometimes. And I'm like, this guy loves his wife. He's bold about loving his wife. And it's really, it's a real thing. And this little Seraphina is like the apple of his eye, right? So just talk about the impact of, Lana and you meeting her and how it's changed your life, your career and Seraphina and building a family, how that's changed you?
1: Well, uh, my wife um, is 10 years younger than me and really given me another way of looking at life completely opposite than than, than me in the sense that she is very social, she has, wants a lot of people around uh, mm. a lot of the time, very happy, never, uh, never like really a bad thing to say. Mm. Um, Pushing me to do things. For example, we went on uh, vacation. We did a, a zip line. I would never have done a zip line if it wasn't for my wife. Uh, and I really, truly love not only my wife but my my daughter. And for me to have that. Um, kind of in my corner Mm -hmm. so when i come home after being on a four-day road trip and Mm -hmm. and they come and give me a big hug and whatever we we cook together we take her to the park or Mm -hmm. uh, she's in gymnastics now for me family's always been a huge part of my life Mm -hmm. Um, growing up family was family first I had an incident, uh, unfortunately, that happened to me last year with Serafina where she was admitted to the hospital three separate times, right? Now, I had a show. I was on the road while this happened. Mm -hmm. I had a show in Atlanta, and my wife was kind of holding down the fort here. But this was like the second time it happened, Mm -hmm. and you know, my wife was very gracious. I didn't just handle it. I got it. This, but then I'm like, there's no way my wife should be going through this alone mm. at a hospital. Yeah. And then and I, I canceled the show, mm. which, you know, my, my heart of hearts always says family first. Yeah. But then, you know, I also don't want to let down 5,000 yeah. people who, because <clears> I, I always think of this. The show's in Atlanta. Maybe some guy and wife bought tickets and are coming in from Ohio. Yeah. And now I'm not performing, and those, you know... But... For me, it's always been about the family—not yeah. only the act, but just in life in general. I know what you're saying. Yeah, you get some success. There's a lot of opportunities, yeah. uh, you know, to veer from the path of monogamy. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't even. I don't. Number one, I would never put myself in those situations. Mm. Plus, for me, I am a very loyal guy. Mm. If I make a decision. Uh, to be with someone, not only personally or professionally, I I I really am loyal mm. to sometimes a fault mm. where I um, maybe I have an emotion tied tied to business sometimes where it gets in the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm that way too, by the way. I've made some mistakes on the loyalty thing myself, so. I just noticed it, man. I'm like, this is one of the reasons this guy's got natural humility, but I think your family keeps you grounded, and it's like, it just makes me root for you more. It's like, this is a beautiful family. This guy's doing great things with his life, you know, and it makes me um, want to see you do even better, so. Really proud of you. I'm okay. proud of everything you're accomplishing, man. I have a feeling that we're going to become very good friends. I just have this feeling. i felt that from a distance with you, and now having met you. I really feel strongly about it. So the last thing I want to ask you about, just because people do this in their businesses, and you've said, like, the word goal a few different times, and I've heard you in different acts go, it wasn't on my vision board, you know. But what are you, pretty goal-oriented dude, and is it just like, because I was fascinated earlier when you said, hey, I don't really write all my jokes out like that. Do you write your goals out? Do you just see them? Um, or do you have, I guess you probably have a team now that helps you with that, but how are goals and like your vision and your plan in play for you?
1: So my one goal was to do standup comedy for a living. That's the only goal Mm -hmm. I said to myself when I came out here in 1998. Here's something, uh, I don't like to show a lot of my personal life Mm -hmm. on um, uh, social media. It's just something that I feel uncomfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't not necessarily... I, I notice your Instagram. You got you coming off a jet. You, <laughs> 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 you staying at maybe a nice hotel or yeah. what have you. And I know that's part of your... Okay, yeah. like, hey, if yeah. you want to get... Sure. Uh, you want to get here, yeah. this is what you got to do and you're showing that. Yes. I I sometimes have a problem of, of showing s- some of the things mm-hmm. maybe we're doing. Mm-hmm. And just because... I don't know. I, I'd rather keep it to myself than yep. put it up on it. So my Instagram tends to be, I'm doing a show here, I'm doing a show there. Yeah. It's not necessarily, hey, guys, yeah. we're at dinner, <laughs> and this is a great restaurant. You should try it out, too. It's not oh, a, I God. I don't know where, I don't know how people perceive that.
0: Yeah. Well, you did one the other day with the flower shop.
1: Yeah, it was like this thing that I go, I'll be right back. My wife's always telling me that she's yeah. gonna be right back, and I, I video record her when she's. I, I'm not saying I don't do yep. it, but there's people that I follow yeah. every morning. Hey, out of bed! Yeah, I know. Let's get coffee, you got the <laughs> <an> espresso <laughs> yeah, going. Yeah, like, it's yeah.
0: Like, I, by the way, we're very similar. Like, I have to force myself. People tell me, it's like, hey man, show literally i've had people tell me show us what you do for breakfast i'm like i don't care what anybody else does for breakfast but they want to see so i have done a little bit more of it but i'll be honest with you like my um i'm protective of my kids and my family too so i also get hey how come you don't show your wife and your kids more often because they want to be private and i don't want to put them out there Mm -hmm. so there's a balance on that stuff but for most people what is your opinion can they use their social to grow their business and yeah absolutely
1: it's just like there's You need to find out what works for you best. Mm -hmm. And I used to do this thing on social media called Aren't You Embarrassed? Where I would see someone doing something at the airport and I would hold up the camera and they would be in the background. Aren't you embarrassed? But now I can't really do that so much because A, and it's changed over the last 10 years. Yeah. Now that's looked as being mean. mean. yeah. Oh, you're being mean to the person. <laughs> it's funny, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, it's like right. people are so sensitive nowadays yes. where they can't really just enjoy the comedy of it all. Yeah. And, uh And it's sad. Yeah. Uh, it's just, and, and I don't like to read comments, you know, mm. but also you want to kind of see what the temperature yeah. of your audience is. Yeah. So sometimes I read this, and I get like... I get like um, angry
0: yes yep
1: like 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 when i'm doing stand-up i'm not getting any feedback Mm. there's no comments (laughs) you know i just i'm having a one-sided conversation yeah they're laughing Mm. and that's that Mm. when you do the social media air the guy that did the super bowl uh when justin timberlake did the super bowl some kid took a selfie do you remember that okay i posted Look at this kid. He can't even enjoy the moment. He's yeah. gotta find his phone. And someone had read a comment saying, Oh the kids from Make a Wish. <laughs> so it's like you don't even know like what the backstory is now. <laughs> like if I'm making fun of somebody, they'll go, Oh, you don't know, that kid's got some disease on the off take it down. Take, take it, it down. down. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know, it's just like sometimes it's not always what you oh perceive it to be. And
0: um, Well, the other thing you said earlier that I, we should say too is like, the other thing about social media is you be convinced everybody's just partying and living awesome all the time. Oh yeah. And that no one ever puts the crap they've gone through on social media either. So and the other thing is like just this addiction it creates for people's approval. It's like how many likes did I get? Do they like what I said? And it's, for me, the only thing downside for social media for me, I don't know for you, but like it's just the time it takes up. This is time-consuming to post, to look at it, to reply to people. That's a lot of work. So if you're going to do it, you kind of got to be in the game to do it. Yeah. And I have watchers. I think your stuff's great. I follow you. You don't follow me, but I follow you. Well, after today, it's okay. Hold the, we, all the okay. story. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm going to hold you to that. So how do they find you? So it's Sebastian Comedy at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Sebastian Comedy. So yeah. you kept out. You kept out the last name. Why? Because it's impossible to pronounce.
1: It's impossible to pronounce. Maniscalco. Yes. But when I first started comedy, it was just Sebastian, because just for that reason, nobody knew how to pronounce it. But uh, yeah, for for social media purposes, it's just Sebastian comedy. And um, I try to get back to people if they uh, message me. I try if it's a valid, you know... um, whatever whatever something might strike me in the moment oh you yeah, know let me respond yeah. uh, I actually learned that from Dane Cook Dane Cook when he first Huge. came out it was on MySpace, yeah. and this guy was communicating with his fans yeah. and it was like a job three yeah. four hours a day he was popping out messages hey man I'm coming to your city yeah. and I and I and I used to do that but as time kind of goes you rather spend your time kind of creating mm-hmm Sure, material rather than being like customer Boy, service. You, you can't be sitting on these movie sets replying
0: to social media all day either, I would imagine, <laughs> right? So, I mean, well, there's, yeah. there's plenty of time on movie sets. Oh, that's true, that. isn't there? That's <laughs> actually true. That's actually true. That's probably where you do it. Yeah. But. Well, I'm not on them like you are, so I wouldn't know. But hey, let me say something to you. I really enjoyed today.
1: Well, good. I'm glad. I, uh, I'm glad I did this. It's something that, like I said to you before this even started, I generally do comedy-based podcasts, yes. and when this opportunity presented itself, I, I looked at what you were about, and I'm like, actually, I think you reached out to me
0: personally, uh, but I didn't respond. Yeah, and uh, I wasn't going to say earlier when you said that you respond to people because I was like, well, yeah. what about? No, me? I, I, me, I, yeah. I, you
1: did, you yeah. did reach out. Yeah. And it was one of those things where, oh, this guy looks like he's got a, a, yeah. a, a cool thing. But yeah. sometimes, whatever, like a, a a daughter, you know, would, would cut. Like, of course. And then you Same just, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. And then I go, oh yeah, but yeah. see what what happened? What mm-hmm. happened? For those people not to get discouraged, he yeah. had reached out. I didn't respond, mm-hmm. and and I should have. But it came another way. Yep. Right. Yeah. And then in my head, I go. I was meaning to respond. So the
0: seed was planted. Uh, yes, that's cool. Sometimes that's good to you don't know. Actually, know,
1: you don't know where it's gonna. Yeah. What, where the water's gonna come.
0: And from. the cool thing is that people know I did chase you. Like I wanted you on my show because I knew what we would do today. I kind of had a feeling it exceeded my expectations, but I kind of knew this. This is dudes just not funny. Like, this is a serious guy with real ideas, and, and he's had a real strategy, and he's, the story's compelling. And so, like, it was really, really good today, brother. So thank you. So Sebastian Comedy. Sebastian Comedy. Okay. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's program, man. I'm really grateful. Congratulations Thanks, on man. everything, too. You, Thanks. too. Congratulations. Thank you. Baby coming in June. June 16th. Sun coming. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Here's the thing. Like I always tell you, I bring you people in their lives that are maxing out their lives. Obviously, this man's been maxing out his life now for a number of years, and I want you to follow him on social media. And if you're watching this, you probably follow me, but if you don't, follow Ed Milet. And remember this, every day on Instagram, we're on the max out two-minute drill. That means this. If you go, you have your notifications turned on when you're following me, you make a comment with in the first two minutes, when I make a post, every day there's a drawing. We pick someone every day who made a comment in the first two minutes. You can win a coaching call with me, my guest tickets to come see me speak, my book, Max Out Gear, all kinds of stuff. So make sure you're engaging because I want to see your stuff so I know what content to create, I know what messages you need, and I know what's going on in your life. If you miss the first two minutes, just make a comment every day. And someone who comments on every post I make every day, we pick a winner at the end of the week who just comments regularly. And I post around 7.30 in the morning to 8 a.m. every day Pacific, 10.30 to 11 Eastern, just to give you a hint. So please engage with me on social media and share today's program with people that you love and care about. God bless you. Max Out Your Life. This is the Ed Milet Show.
1: Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring.